to face, hand to hand, film to film. Hello, hello. Welcome once again to the greatest podcast in the world. This is Film to Film. My name is Iñak Lunier. I'm here with my good old friend, James Shergan. How are you doing, James? I am hanging in there, hanging in there. Pop quiz. What episode are we on? Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, is this episode 10? No. To be honest, I'm not sure either. My guess is nine, so I think our guesses are pretty close. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so far, you know, this podcast has been building to be uh, mainly about Italian and South American movies with a random Korean movie at the beginning. <laughs> which, uh, which is also by far the most popular podcast episode we've done. Well, at this moment, right? Uh, <laughs> That's true. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, hey, have you seen any movies lately? Yeah, I've been just got, kind of going through, uh, been watching a couple Italian cannibal films, uh, not suitable for work films for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, and I also watched uh, a, a Argentine film called Wild Tales recently. Oh, wow. Okay. Th those sound very related. <laughs> <laughs> Well, according to this street food documentary I was watching, apparently there was a lot of Italians in Argentina. I had no idea. Yeah. So maybe they are more related. I mean, if you look at their last names, uh, you see a lot of uh, Italian-sounding last names in Argentina. So, yeah, I would say that there are some relations there. Uh, also, their hand movements. <laughs> are are Argentinians... I, I know very little about... Is it Argentinians? What, what is it? Argentines? You know, I've actually always asked myself that. I don't know. I think it's Argentine. But uh, I've used Argentinian for for a really long time. Okay. So do so are the Argentines or Argentinians known for their, uh, their hand movements as well? I don't know. Do you notice any hand movements in the, this movie? Definitely from a couple of characters, but not as much as, like, your stereotypical uh, Italian. All right. Yeah. But more than uh, your stereotypical American. Uh, yeah. Um, excluding maybe uh, Beto. You know, Beto could fit in in Argentina or, or Italy. Well, Beto always looks like he's, uh, he's uh, directing uh, an orchestra. Yeah. I mean, stand on the table, wave the hands around, you know? Well, uh, I'm very glad you, uh, you watched Wild Tales, because I think that was the movie scheduled to be talked today. Yep. Um, yep. All right. Looks like I'm having connection issues. Um, yeah. I, I can I can still hear you, so it sounds like we're having just a uh, little bit of... So, apologize for the choppiness. Yes. Uh, you know, darn you, uh, Comcast or whatever internet we have. Actually, I have RCN. I don't know what you have. I have Comcast. So, this uh, uh, these technical difficulties have been sponsored by RCN and Comcast. So, thank you for your great service to both of you. <laughs> you're the first uh, you're the first podcast sponsors for the show 
Um, and we're doing this free. You know, it's some great advertising. Just uh, uh, these choppy segments sponsored by you guys. Thanks so much. <laughs> yep. Thank you very much. We'll remind everyone about it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I, I was glad that you've seen uh, Wild Tales. That's a movie where we had scheduled for today. So I'll give the one sentence Wikipedia summary, which is Wild Tales is a 2014 black comedy anthology film composed of six standalone shorts, all written and directed by Damian Sifron, united by a common theme of violence and vengeance. What do you think of that? Uh, sounds about right. I, I would actually say, yeah, I guess you could say violence and vengeance. I tend to think it's more tales of people, uh, reacting and overreacting, but maybe that's just arguing a little bit of the framing of it. You know, I, I actually agree. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tale of people losing control over yes. react. Yes. Right. Uh, so overreaction, I think that's a very good uh, way of putting it. Uh, so what do you think of the movie? Uh, I enjoyed it. This is my second time watching it. Um, for me personally, I think this movie is definitely better than good. Uh, but for me, it's not quite at very good. So it's somewhere in between the two. Um, I have a couple sort of nitpicks slash complaints about it, but for the most part, I think this is a really well-made film uh, and highly enjoyable. Yeah, I'd say, uh, I mean, on, on the artistic aspects of it, of cinema and the film, I don't know where it stands, but uh, I would say on the level of enjoyability, I consider this a highly enjoyable movie. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's at least in my position. Um, from beginning to end, each little anthology has something to uh, to rejoice. Right, right, exactly. So, so given that this movie is structured in, into you know the six standalone anthologies, I, I was thinking maybe we would talk about uh, each of them a little bit separately. Um, sure. So to begin with. What was your favorite of the little stories? Oof, that's a good question. Um, I think my favorite of the longer ones was the uh, was the um, one with the kid that did the drunk driving accident. Ah, uh -huh. um, it almost would have been the demolition one, but I actually don't like how that ended. So that for me knocked that one down. Um, uh, and uh, the first three, I'd have a hard time choosing between them. I think the first three are all quite good and enjoyable. They're shorter. Um, these are six different segments, but like the first two are under 10 minutes each. So um, it's definitely not all six just being created with the same time length. So for me, I kind of rank those almost a little differently than the other ones. Like the first segment in particular, it feels like it's... Uh, quick and and they don't they don't overplay their hand there it's just uh right. it goes and then it ends um so i enjoy those two uh but they feel uh i put them on a little bit of a different playing field than uh the longer segments Tomcast. 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks, thanks so much us. to our internet providers. <laughs> We're back from that sponsored message now that our connection is back. Uh, it's going to be uh, interesting. So I, 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 I missed probably half of what you said. <laughs> um, basically what I said was that the, uh, the uh, later... The later, longer episodes almost rank a little bit differently than the first two, which uh-huh. the first two just being shorter. Um, so they just feel different. Um, I I was ca- sort of calculating the runtime when I was watching them, and both of those are under 10 minutes. So um, mm. for me, I just think about them a little bit differently than some of the segments that run over twice the length. Right. Yeah, I think I, think I agree with you. Um, I, mean, I mean, out of the... Because out out of the long segments, it would be the the parking one, the uh, drunk driving one, and the uh, and the wedding one, right? right. Say, like those three are are significantly longer. Although I would say the one uh, about road rage is feels long. That one's kind of in between in length. It was twenty minutes, so I guess it's closer to those ones. I also like that one. I mean, I would say I like most all of these segments in general. Mm-hmm. With just a couple of the segments having nitpicks, right? I I I would say so, and I'm assuming the one with the highest nitpick would be the one about the parking lot. Uh, that one, uh, my big nitpick is just at the end. Uh, uh, yeah, I I think part of the wedding one also could have been uh, quite a bit tightened up. Huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh let's start with the short ones so that way. Uh... Out of the short ones, which one was your favorite? So just Pasternak and uh, uh, the restaurant one, uh-huh. uh, the rat, rat. Uh, man, tough call. Um, I think I'd probably go with Pasternak. It just uh-huh. kind of uh, is very, uh, I don't know, it's just very clever. And it kind of starts it out on the right tone um, where you just sort of get the information slowly divulged and then you realize they're in deep trouble. Right, yeah, I I agree. I think uh, Pasternak is probably a really good way of actually beginning the movie too. It's it's almost uh, it's really in your face, and that it starts off like a little bit slow. You're starting to gather information, just like the characters and learning. Oh, Pasternak is probably gonna kill all of them, and uh, you know, yeah. Uh, question for you. So this film was released twenty and fourteen. Uh, do you think it's a total coincidence that it's the same year as the Malaysian Flight 370? Oh shit, I, ne- I didn't even think about it. Yeah, because I, I literally was checking when that flight happened, uh, and it was like half a year, I think, or around that, five months maybe before the film was released. Huh. So it probably was independent of it, uh, especially considering with the Malaysian Flight, we didn't really know what happened until pretty recently. Um, oh wait we actually know what happened well no but we have guesses i mean the idea is that the pilot uh did some stuff uh and was and was responsible for whatever it was not unlike pasternak uh, in this case um so but i'm not sure if that information had been out um at that time or is even surmised upon yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, also we don't know when that was filmed, right? Because that, that's one, yeah, one of, exactly, one, right? One of the sequence with, uh, with probably the the most uh, special effects, 
Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't. I'm assuming they take a while, so you usually shoot those first. Yeah. And the other thing it kind of reminded me of uh, that just the last shot of that where he crashes it into his parents' house is mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of um, the the Breaking Bad where there's like that plane crash and stuff falls into the backyard too. Oh yes, and that came out. That would have come out before this, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and, and I mean, you have some similar imageries uh, in other movies like. Um, Donnie Darko that came out much earlier ah uh, yes yes I haven't seen that movie in a long time so maybe that's a little less fresh for me yeah no me too I haven't seen it since I was uh, in high school but uh, but still uh, but uh, yeah no I mean back going back to the plot one thing one thing that I, I enjoyed about this movie is is that it it really deals a little bit with the pettiness of everyone. Like at the end of the day, like every character, especially in the first, in, in the Pasternak, the story really deals with everyone being very petty, including Pasternak. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of like the basis of, uh, I feel like almost all of these ones is just sort of like an escalation put on an escalation. And Pasternak, the escalation ends up being like a massive plane crash with a bunch of people on it. So it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a good way to start. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and also that's a lot of foreshadowing. Well, again, very on your nose and the foreshadowing uh, with the women's magazine reading about, you know, wild animals. Mm. True, true. Um uh, but uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say it definitely sets the stage of what you know what kind of movie you're going to be watching, uh, because all the all the different movies are, are are basically both absurd, funny, and you know with a little bit of violence. Right. I mean, the director overall, I'd say, kind of reminds me. Um, I'm not sure if he would consider these influences, but it reminds me a lot of some American filmmakers that are well thought of, like the Coen brothers and Tarantino, even some of the shots and the way the camera moves. And it's just, uh, I mean, maybe even just the structure of this, the segmented nature of it, uh, sort mm-hmm. of is Tarantino-ish. The stories never overlap in the same way that Tarantino's do, but, um, and just kind of like the overall pulpy, fictional nature of it too, um, sort of, brings to mind uh, uh some of those directors yeah uh, i definitely would agree i mean, I mean because all the stories could be actually told i mean they're funny by themselves but i mean but the uh the cinematography the way that they're shot would definitely i mean it could have been done a lot more boring and in that sense i would say that this person either was inspired by or you know has has an eye of actually taking making all the shots even look even more pulpy and more interesting right and sort of the structure of it too it sort of just keeps you off balance i mean one thing with tarantino is like his stories are so often told non-linearly mm-hmm. so it creates this feeling where you're just not sure what's going to happen because it's just not a conventional oh first act second act third act and this story is kind of the same way where it's like you have these six shorts but the shorts are not even the same length so like the first one you're like okay this is probably gonna go for 20 minutes but it's eight minutes 
and uh, you you're constantly getting introduced to new characters and stuff like that. So it really mm -hmm. creates this feel of sort of like unpredictability, and you're discovering new information all the time. It's kind of like the opposite of like sitting down to watch like a sitcom that you've seen a hundred episodes of already, and you know the characters, and you can kind of twiddle your thumbs on your phone while you watch it. Right. No, that's true. One thing that I must say about this movie that uh, I really, and on this director, but also the actors, is that they do a really good job at establishing every character very quickly. I mean, each story is super short, but by the time the conflict happens, you already know, or you, you already feel like you know each character enough to to see what they're thinking or to imagine what they're thinking. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he has to be very efficient because there's a lot of characters introduced. I mean, it, the film only runs about two hours, and there's six stories being told. So you have to be very efficient in your storytelling. Mm -hmm. You can't have like a twenty-minute dialogue scene because that would be your entire short. Right. Which is interesting, though, because uh, then going into probably my favorite, which is also like one of yours, in the longer stories. The one, uh, the proposal or la propuesta, the one about uh, the drunk driving. That one actually allows you to learn more about the characters and allows more dialogue. Yeah, true, true. And but even then, you, you know, you you truly get to feel and know what they're thinking. Uh, and I, you, you clearly know that the mother basically wants the son not to go to jail. The son is destroyed by what he did. The father is just try, tired. <laughs> right. Do you want to talk about that one now? Uh, jump, jump over to that one or do you yeah, want to go in order? Let's jump over that one. Okay. I mean, that one is almost interesting to me too because it sort of breaks the mold. It's like the first four before that are almost just like escalation upon escalation, sort of like we talked about reaction overreaction um and this one i almost feel like it's a little different it's like does the um does the patriarch of the family overreact i'm not sure he does in fact i i kind of liked his character in some ways where he doesn't uh <laughs> he just is like fuck it i'm not i'm not dealing with you assholes anymore uh my son can go to jail um, and it just sort of lets it work itself out. You could ma definitely make the case that it is sort of that overreaction mold, but for me, it feels a little bit differently. Yeah, and in fact, that's the correct course of action. That would have been the yeah. correct course of action. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree, I agree. Although, the that, that, that short ends, again, with someone else a character we don't know over uh overreacting and killing the uh groundskeeper good point but it i to me that feels different because it's not one of the main characters we do see that character briefly earlier but uh right it's not it's not one of the uh principles uh no i, compl I completely agree um yeah if, if anything it's almost that 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 short almost feels like it shouldn't be there. Yeah, almost. I mean, almost. I would, I would make the case actually that it's fine. I would make the case that maybe one of the other shorts should have been in a slightly different mold, similar to that one, mm. um, rather than having five in this mold and one just slightly off. Have a couple that are slightly off. 
um, rather than uh, that. Because I, I like that short. I mean, like as, oh, as it, you it, and I are talking about it, uh, I right. think we both rank it pretty highly on the list. Right. No, I, I agree. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe to make it more even. Because you, you could argue... I mean, one could argue that maybe the movie... I'm 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 actually curious on on how they how the director curated each of the shorts. Mm-hmm. Now now that now that we're talking about it, whether the the director intended to sort of begin on a high and end on a high, and by high I mean just high on action and mm-hmm. and gruesomeness almost, while having a. Because, I mean, in, in a way, this movie sort of begins with a high, ends with a high, has a little bit of a slow, thoughtful process in the middle, right? Especially with the proposal, the, the, the La Propuesta, um, and has a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we should talk about the ending when we get there, too. Um, that's definitely worth discussing too, because the ending sort of catches you by surprise. Because just about all of the other endings are um, explosive, right? Ex- ex- <laughs> and right. violent, <laughs> indeed. But it it almost makes you feel like maybe this director was intent. Like, I guess my, what, my, if you were to just look at as emotion emotions that you get out of a, this movie, I wonder if this director curated each each short in a way that you would have the same emotions that you would have with a regular blockbuster. What do you mean? Like each, each short is kind of self-contained or, or what do you mean by that? Right. So each short is self-contained. I mean, each short is self-contained and right. except for, you know, the, 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 the theme of basically loss of basically inhuman control or like loss of control. Right. However, um, as an, as a viewer, you you know in a in your regular three structure film, you know you have the you have the the first the first part where you get introduced with the characters and there's action going on. Then the second one is development, so things slow down a little bit, and then the third the third uh, third act again that's where you have your uh, your high action again. You usually that's where you have your climax and your right. resolution. And in your right. this is your cl- you know your classic Hollywood structure. And the question is what whether this movie mimics this as a whole without having to have any plot connections of it with you know with different uh, with different shorts. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or do you think I'm giving too much credit? on the curation? I don't know. I mean, maybe to some extent you could make it that way, but you, like, you described this three-act structure, the first one where you're sort of getting introduced to characters. I feel like we're constantly getting introduced to characters in in this sort of uh, uh, anthology format. So to me, it doesn't totally fit, but I I think you're correct about it sort of being intentional about... um, how the emotions go uh, in this, where you're sort of being introduced to it. Maybe it operates sort of on that act structure more on an emotional level rather than mm-hmm. through an actual um, character and character development level. I don't know. Right. Something to think about. Yeah. 
So, I mean, this movie did really well uh, internationally. This movie was box was a box office hit. Uh, it made uh, I don't I don't have the uh, exact numbers. How many times have you seen this film? I've only seen it twice. Okay. But here we go. So the movie made uh, twenty seven million dollars, coming from Argentina, um, and it made. I mean, it was. It was award nominated and awarded many, like, has won many awards. So it was nominated for an Oscar, was it not? Correct. Which, you know, when you think about movies that are nominated for best foreign film, it's an accomplishment. It's an accomplishment, but also it's it's very out of the uh, norm, right? Because I mean, whenever you watch like a, a best, unlike the uh, you know the best film Oscars, like the best foreign language film. They tend to be always artsy or touch a, a heavy political issue or something like that. And, yeah. and, and these, I mean, in a way... This film was just fun. Exactly. I mean, yeah. this, this feels like a blockbuster. Yeah. I mean, I think both you and I like genre films to some extent because we don't always like our films to be... Uh, super message oriented or anything like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy those films now and then, but I do look forward to it when a film is just trying to, you know, entertain for, for two mm -hmm. hours. Exactly. And I, and I would say, so I'm curious, you know, what do other critics have seen on this that to allow it to, to be to nominate it when, especially in, in, in the snobbyish, the snobby critics that you, you would find in the Oscars. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think either you or I know quite enough about the uh, machinations of the Oscars to say, but I I guess that there's a lot of lobbying and stuff like that going on. I mean, mm -hmm. this film clearly had a pretty successful marketing effort behind it to make that amount of money and stuff like that. Uh, I think your partner has seen this film more than either of us. Correct. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. She, so she really likes this film, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Especially the last segment. Oh really? Yeah, that's her, that's her favorite. Huh? Okay. That's uh, that's not the one I would have picked. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to hear more when we get to that segment. <laughs> uh, um, before we filmed this, uh, started recording this episode, I did look up on uh, Letterboxd, which is sort of like an IMDb-like site, uh, just films from Argentina, oh. uh, and just to sort of see what was the most popular. And this film was number two. Uh, and I don't recall what was number one, but it sort of shows you that this film, um, it came out half a decade ago at this point, but it's uh, still extremely popular and probably one of the most successful uh, Argentine slash Argentinian films of all time. Hmm, yeah. Um, I wonder if uh, El Secreto de Tus Ojos was the first one or Madres de Mayo or Mothers of May or something like that or March. Ah, oh, fuck it. I don't know. It, it tends to be, a, the popularity ranking tends to be skilled, skewed towards more recent releases. So okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, one of the more new Argentinian films. Right. Oh, I've never checked out that uh, website. I'll have to do it later. But, um, huh, interesting. Um, so... What exactly made you like uh, the the 
beyond being different from the rest of the other shorts, what 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 was what stood out to you on the um, the runover scene? Uh, the, the the you know, yeah, propuesta, uh, the proposal. I, I mean, I think it did a good job of fleshing out the characters. I will say that the difference part makes a big deal for me. Uh, the fact that you know, if you show four shorts that really do follow this theme of unpredictability, escalation over and over again. Um, you're going to, uh, like, you can't, you can't roll that formula over indefinitely. So I was very happy to see this do some different stuff. And I was just like, not quite sure what was going to happen. It's interesting mm -hmm. to sort of see those deliberations. I like sort of like hostage, hostage negotiation and negotiation sort of situations. So to me, yeah. it was kind of cool to just see that dynamic. And, uh, for me, I could, uh, I felt the most sympathy, I guess, towards the patriarch figure that's just like, fuck all y'all. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go in my room and let you guys figure this out um, and uh, let the scheming lawyer and, and the other two uh, uh, come to a deal on their own terms. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think one, one of the things I really liked about about the, the that short is that you really learn, you really grow to like the dad. Like at first, you know, you think of the dad as just, you know, another rich asshole who is just going to pay for his son's freedom yeah, uh, by bribing. But, uh, and, and, you, and you feel bad for the groundskeeper because, you know, he's getting screwed. I mean, he's going to go to jail, but, but then for, for, for something he's innocent. But uh, uh, as you get to know more of the groundskeeper and he's like, Oh no! I I want a I want a, uh, a house in the beach, uh, you know. And like he just starts asking for more shit, and then at some moment, he, the dad is just like, "Fuck everyone." <laughs> well, to be honest, the groundskeeper should negotiate. He's getting the rough end of the stick. I mean, oh yeah, for sure. In this case, uh, so I, I support him. Uh, I think the lawyer is probably the least likable of those. Uh, <laughs> those characters that need to get cut in. Yeah, no, for, I mean, everything the lawyer was doing was illegal. I mean, I, I don't the, it's the lawyer and the prosecutors that are probably the worst people. Yeah, so the lawyers. Yeah. The lawyers, yeah, the two lawyers. Come on, throw your people under the bus, attorney <laughs> at law. The two lawyers, completely unethical. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's definitely enjoyable. Also, you get to taste uh, a little bit of taste to taste like the uh, you know South American touch of corruption, <laughs> <laughs> right there. You know, you get to see because I mean the prosecutor is there; he's holding everyone else outside, all the other cops, and he's like, "All right, let's negotiate, but we gotta hurry up." <laughs> uh, and you know, he knows the judges; he knows other people, so he can get uh, right. this rich kid out. I mean, I don't know if you've seen this film yet, but we did talk about it briefly uh, when we did uh, To Kill a Man, uh, the much to do about nothing. I mean, this whole plot is quite similar to that one and just sort of how like the rich status symbol in South America uh, uh, can do that. I mean, that being said, uh, I don't want to totally single South America out. It's not, uh, I feel like if you put this story in America, it would to make total sense too. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. I mean, uh, I'm, as South American, I'm just being critical. That's all. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, definitely. I mean, th this movie is universal. Anywhere where you could find corruption, 
of some level, you can have this. Uh, and and what, what's fascinating though, is that you can have this and then you also show the outrage. Like in this movie, people, like the, the few times when you see people in mass, they're always outraged of some injustice. So it's either this one or the previous one with the bomb, the bomb man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it, you have a system that uh, overall clearly benefits the the powerful, and 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 I, and I think that that's the powerful, the rich, the bad, and that's one thing. Uh, one theme that this movie did does have, and uh, if it carries through in some several of the stories, uh, not I mean not the first one per se. Yeah. But uh, I'd say two through the second five. one, you know, um, yeah. like you have this loan shark who is becoming a politician. Right. And, and then and, in three, you have uh, both a rich guy and a redneck on the road. So, I mean, it doesn't totally play into that one quite so much, but it's hard to ignore the stat, uh, the class difference between the two. Uh huh. And how the rich guy basically goes back to kill the redneck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those guys are both equally jerks in the end. Yeah. Yeah, that one almost feels like a horror movie at times. But you you like so, like you dislike so much the rich guy that you're like, you, you don't know who to root for. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they both blow up in the end. But you could say that's kind of a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, that, and that one, again... So going going back to the theme of the of the system though, and that one they both blow up, and then the police are just like, "It's a crime of passion." <laughs> you know what? Not wrong. Not, Not wrong. wrong at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the third, the third one was, well, that was the third one. The fourth one being um, demolition. Demolition. I mean. That one's 100% the system destroying this man's life for a fucking parking ticket. Like, his wife gets divorced. Like, everything happens because his car got towed. Yeah. Uh, that one, I, I'm with you. I have some gripes with the ending. Because that one is probably the more most realistic one. The one that touches most people that drive, at least most drivers at, at heart. Right. Yeah. Um, but real quickly, uh, before we move on to, do you want to talk about one of uh, those next? Whichever. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to say, what do you think of the ending for uh, the uh, the proposition? Um, for me, that ending, I didn't dislike it, but I almost feel like I would have liked to see it end a slightly different way, just because so many of those first four segments ended in just like explosive violence. Mm -hmm. Uh it felt a little, you know, tacked on a little bit. Um, I agree. I, yeah, I don't know how I would have ended it, but uh, I feel like they could have come up with... I mean, I would have honestly just been okay with the ending without the uh, without the violence at the end. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I actually... I feel like it does... It, it is a little bit tacked on. Um... It works with the theme. It works with the theme real well in the sense yeah. that, you know, because in the theme, 
I mean, without that ending, in, in a way it works though. Because yeah, without, without that ending, you would have everyone actually winning. Uh, the groundskeeper True. would would get a, a shit ton of money, or at least that's what it's implied, right? True. Uh, I guess I would just argue that by the time this one comes around, this is number five, and the four before it end in very similar ways. So for me, I would have preferred that it end in... I mean, I'm okay with it having sort of a downbeat ending where there are definite losers, Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish it ended in a somewhat different way. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I completely agree. I mean, you could um, you you could definitely make a whole movie out of that one, like a full length movie. Yeah, I mean, one of the questions I had for you is like, which one of these would you be most eager to see a full feature film for? Um, that 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 one would probably be one of my. Uh, choices yeah I, I would say that, that one is it's probably the most i mean if you take out the, the the clubbing at the end uh that one definitely would be the most the, the one you could develop the most right yeah i mean like there's not that much explored with the sun um, the sun is kind of just like crying uh he kind of reminds me of miles teller just cries a bunch um, and is explosive. So that could have been more uh, explored there. Um, and there's just like a lot of characters that seem kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one that actually I would, I, I think would be interesting to develop would be the, the rats one. Yes. That one's very short, but yeah. there's a lot of characters I would like to know better. Like the cook. <laughs> I want to know what I want to know about. I want to know about that cook's life. Like, (laughs) yeah, honestly, Netflix should do a ten episode series just on the cook, and and it Mm -hmm. should be like a a female prison movie where the cook's in in jail and we just follow her around. I would watch that. (laughs) Yeah, or maybe the maybe the story of how she ended up in jail in the first the first time. Prequel season two. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the, the the cook is. I would like to know more about her. Uh, she she was interesting. Yeah. Uh, also, the loan shark. Maybe learn more about him. Maybe he had an arc. Maybe he's the better person. Although, no, he was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of those ones where he's an asshole, and then you have the one episode where you understand why he became an asshole. Yeah, that's true. There it, you go. It's, it's like a flashback episode. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I would say those two, the proposal and the, and rats are the two most likely to to have. A, you you could make a feature film out of those two more than the other ones. Yeah. What about the, you? The, yeah, no, I think I agree. I mean, let's talk about the rat one a bit. Um, for me, that was one where I was a little surprised at how quick it ended. You mm-hmm. sort of like, okay, I'm getting introduced to these characters, and then all of a sudden the cook just fucking ends it. She just like stabs the guy guy goes down and then it's pretty much over um so uh i think i i agree um i enjoyed probably number one and number two pasternak and los ratas mm-hmm. equally um j- they're both just really fun and and it's nice to see the information revealed of of the characters the cook is definitely my favorite there 
the lady sort of describes the situation and the cook's just like all the way ready to go and kill the guy like within two seconds He's yeah just like ready all in yeah I, I, I love her and, and, and like she has a full reasoning for everything too. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like oh, the guy's going to be a politician and he's going to be the do the same thing he did to you and your family, but to the country. And she's like, but he brought his son. What do you think his son is? His son is probably the same piece of shit as him. Like he, <laughs> he, 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 he taught him how to be. Rat poison. And, yeah. I, and, and, she, and she's like, oh man, it looks like it's expired. Do you think that it's more likely to kill him or less likely to kill him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also like when the son comes in, she's she's like, oh, what should we do? She's like, double the poison? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think she looked up the proper serving size for rat poison on, on the back of the bottle? Or she was just like, all right, you get a full cup. I think she gave a full cup. Probably. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Uh... You almost feel bad for her because she's going to take the fault for everything. However, even that she explains away by saying, oh, prison is not a bad place at all. You get free rent, free food. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she said she feels more free in prison than she did at the diner. Yeah. I think I think that just the fact that it was at a diner too made it remind me of uh, Tarantino uh, just uh -huh. because he just has so many famous diner scenes. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that should definitely, uh, that lady should definitely be the, there should be a whole movie about her and her yeah. adventures. Yeah. Come on, Netflix. Fund this. <laughs> hey, or, or Hulu or, uh, or Disney plus, you need to have a little bit of, uh, <laughs> yeah. Go down to Latin America. Um, yeah. She seems like just a, you know, a classic Disney character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't have too no. much more to say about uh, that, that one. I enjoyed one and two quite a bit, um, but they're over so fast that uh, there's not quite so much to discuss for those. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the, the third one, the strongest, or El Más Fuerte in Spanish... Um, oh yeah, because I've been translating the names. Uh -huh. So you said la, la ratas, which means the rats. And yeah, then I, mas fuerte means the strongest. Okay. Um, Interesting. So that one, I mean, on the, on the theme that they, at least the director like throws, throws at you at the beginning, that one almost fits the most of you know the like this pri primal primal instincts that these two characters have out of road rage mm -hmm. uh where you basically have a man who is powerful in the wallet but probably weak as hell and a redneck who has who's clearly like not wealthy at all but super strong yeah, ready to go. Exactly. I mean, not not at the beginning. Like at the beginning, he seems uh, he almost seems like a nice guy. Like I mean, when the guy's passing him, he's like, "Is that you in a hurry?" And he's just like, "Fuck you, asshole!" <laughs> or something like that. Uh huh. Yeah. 
So were you more sympathetic towards the redneck or the rich guy? Or neither? Uh, I would say neither. Uh, mm-hmm. However, the movie is framed on the rich guy's perspective. Right. So, so you do feel more afraid for the, the rich guy. True, true. You almost have that um, sympathy just by spending more time with them. Yeah, because the, the redneck almost seems... I mean, that one is almost like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. In I the mean, sense that they're... Hmm? Have you seen that Spielberg film, Duel? No, I have not. Really early Spielberg film? I mean, it's basically a similar... Well, it's a similar premise where there's like a truck driver that's coming after a car and they're kind of on the road. Um, And it's a really basic concept. um, But it's hard for me not to think of that film when I saw this one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. you know what? I might have actually, I might might have seen it because I remember seeing a movie about a truck driver. I remember seeing a horror movie about a truck driver. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in that film you don't even see the truck drivers, so it's definitely different. This mm-hmm. one, it feels like they're more putting uh, two people of different classes into the same sort of social situation. Right, but at the end of the day, like. I mean, it is interesting to go to. I mean, I do wonder or question a little bit why the director didn't spend any time on uh, with with the other guy because the other guy almost seems like a monster. Almost, it's true. But yeah, you'd think. Uh, I mean, I'd say in general, this film has a somewhat upper class bent to it, where like it might. It, it just tends to show more upper class characters. Like you get the feeling in most of these episodes that like. All of the characters are middle to upper class. Um, True. So uh, maybe that also is just more closely who the director relates to. Um, yeah, it's very possible. With this one too, uh, it made me. Uh, this one I feel like compared to the first two, which are more talky. This one uh, is almost the same story, but it has a lot more physicality to it. I thought it was uh-huh. really well, like storyboarded and planned out, especially when those cars sort of fall down into there right. and like they're hanging. Um, I was just really impressed with, um, a lot of the tension and stuff generated for something that really doesn't have a lot of dialogue or the characters hardly converse between the two beyond the first couple lines. Um, so it, it just yeah. works really no, well. No, for sure. I, I, yeah, and I think it just shows the director's range, um, and it made me pretty impressed with just uh, how he uh, paced and, and filmed the whole thing, and then just how the whole car goes on fire. Um, it's mm-hmm. like the same story as the first two, but it's filmed in such a different way um, that uh, that uh, I, it had it left me the, probably the most impressed with this director as just far as a visual storyteller. I agree. Um, I mean. This almost seemed like an action, uh, like an action film, and shot in, in in that manner. Like there were many actual. When it comes to the cinematography itself, uh, there were very interest, many interesting shots that uh, almost, <clears throat> you know, would let you know what would happen later. Um, like the the shots from the wheels uh, perspective, the car wheel perspective, uh, that. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a very dynamic. It's a very dynamic uh, uh, short. 
Well, and this director, he apparently he was he's known uh, before this movie. Like he was mostly mostly known for uh, a TV show, an action TV show. Um, hmm. So I, I I'm kind of curious if maybe that's why he he was able to do this so well. Hmm. I mean, um, of the of the six segments, it's definitely by far the most action-oriented of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I... Yeah, no, I agree. And, I mean, and you really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and also, I would say this one, this one's probably the, the one that you actually least know what the characters are going to do. Probably because of the few dialogues. Yeah, you really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's also early enough that you haven't necessarily gotten the feel for it, uh, for how these uh, uh, each anthology episode is going to end. Um, mm. So it does really keep you off uh, off pace there. It's also twice the length of the previous two, so that right. uh, that makes it feel a little different as well. True. Um, so what would you do if someone uh, did... Did what uh, the hillbilly did do to you know the guy's ca- car? You mean take a dump on it? Yep. Uh, I would just wait it out <laughs> if if I think I'm gonna be safe. I would not escalate. Would you have come back at all <laughs> to try to run him over? Uh, no, bad move. Bad move. <laughs> Very bad move. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> I I do like how they both end up, you know, dead. Literally, yeah. I mean, it was uh, like about half of these. I'm very satisfied with the ending, um, and half of these, I I felt like eh, maybe they could have done it differently. I felt this ended uh, in a very satisfying way. Mm-hmm. Well, then uh, let's jump to Bombita. Okay, number four. Which is number four, which is a little bomb in Spanish. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, so they they would so that was the guy's nickname after you know his uh, explosion, the exploding the place. The people were calling him little bomb. See, these are the little details that you uh, you miss with that language. But uh, what do you, I mean? So, what do you think of this one? In your let me ask you real quick before we move on to that. Where does it say the title of these? Because for me, I had to look them up on Wikipedia. Was it subtitled? Ah, uh, yeah. No, I'm I'm getting it from Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, interesting. So the the titles of it, it they didn't actually show it in the movie. Anyways, uh, let's go ahead. Uh, what were you saying? Uh, actually, yeah, I wonder if the DVD has those titles. Yeah, I streamed this on Amazon, and uh, I didn't see them. So, I mean, mm. I streamed these on uh, Bezos' website. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so this one, I would say it's one of uh, one of the the shorts that is probably closest to, you know, the average person. Yes. Uh, I mean, if you've driven, if you have a car... You probably has got have gotten at least one parking ticket that you think it's unfair, and 
in this movie, not only did he get the ticket, but he got towed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that's a now, fast towing truck, by the way. That's a very fast towing. Although I, I'll tell you right now, in Seattle, I've seen those. Really, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. There was one time I had to do an emergency stop for some reason, and um, and like get out of the car, and as soon as I was coming back, the cop was giving me the ticket, and the tow truck was ready to take my car. And I'm, I'm talking about like less than less than five minutes. Were you able to get away with just the ticket, I assume? Yep. Yep. Okay. But the tow, the tow truck was pulling the car that had parked in front of me. Jeez. So, so you, you know, sometimes... You, you can get unlucky. Yeah, you can get unlucky, you know. And sometimes you can have very eager cops on uh, tow trucks. Yeah. Um... This movie, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I like this short because, uh, yeah, we've all experienced that frustration, basically, especially in places where the 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 way the signaling of whether or not you can park is really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in this one, I feel like they did the best job of sort of establishing a really relatable premise to it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so what is it that, what, what is your nitpick about this one? You know, honestly, I like 90% of this. Um, I like it all the way up to the lady at the end calling the parking uh, attendant fascist and then the bomb going off. I just uh-huh. felt like the end where he's in prison and he becomes a hero on Twitter and stuff like that. I just thought that was not good. Mm. I thought it felt very forced. I thought mm-hmm. it was trying to really, it just felt unnatural to me. I just didn't think it, and it, it also was kind of a weirdly happy ending, but it just didn't feel real to me. It almost felt like the end to taxi driver or something like that, where it's like this guy's fantasy to end in this way. But mm. like, I don't know. It just didn't strike me as right. For the tone of the film, I agree. I think. Uh, I mean, I actually even the Twitter part. I would have. I think it was fine. To mm-hmm. me, is once they get to the to to the prison, and they're singing "Happy Birthday," and his wife is there. That part, I no, like, I think, I think, I I, I think it it worked with the theme on on having the the Twitter storm later. You know. Government saying that he's a terrorist, uh, people saying you know he's a hero, and then like I mean, I just like the third detail uh, because there's one news uh, article that comes up saying like insurance company will not cover the damages <laughs> on uh, the, the damages uh, of the bomb because the company didn't do something or like was negligent on this thing. I just love that last that detail. So that's why if it was up to me, I would have actually left the Twitter storm in. Okay. And ended it at that. Just because I it was the Twitter storm and the newspaper storm and I just enjoyed that little detail of, you know and, and again, this is this is falling into the concept of like as a Latin American or South American, 
that that little nitbit on uh, the insurance company, mm-hmm. very real, very real, okay. very common. Uh, well, uh, also, not necessarily out of place in uh, North America either. Not necessarily out of place out of North America. No, for sure. And the reason I pointed out is because uh, like it makes me think of Chile uh, in their their twenty nineteen uh, social unrest. You know the, the protests that happened in October, November. So, rioters burnt a whole bunch of uh, metro stations, right? And uh, that's because they were pissed about the price and you know all the stuff that you know people are pissed about. And a month later, the insurance company basically said, "We're not covering for those because that was a premium that the government chose not to pay for." Yeah. <laughs> so so like that that small detail i feel like it's just again and it, it could happen in the u.s it could happen in europe but like it happened in chile like very recently okay. and i'm like i'm so like it yeah. hits close to felt home for you yep if it hits close to home it makes me think of you know like I guess what I enjoyed about this movie is that uh, because I feel like um, the Latin American perspective, like the America's perspective of Latin America, is like either very underdeveloped or exotic. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about like about this like this movie especially and and Bombita and and the newspaper part is that you know it could be anywhere. Like true, it yeah. could be anywhere. But those little details, like the the corrupt cop, the uh, the in Bombita, the 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 sheer bureaucracy. Because not only did the guy have to, you know, get gets towed, but he has to stand in lines. Like I would say, a solid five minutes of the movie is the man standing in lines. Yep. And that's something that anyone that's been to the DMV in America can relate to. Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, yeah, I would say it's it's more international. Maybe I'm being right. over overly well, critical. I mean, our bureaucracy is not particularly great either, in my humble opinion. Um, but yes, I mean, I think you're right. I, I'm sure there are some pretty uh, nuanced uh, South American uh, things that you could probably pick out that someone like myself that uh, hasn't spent much time there c- couldn't. Yeah, although, I mean, yeah, I, I do agree with you that it, it could be anywhere. It, yeah, it, it is an international issue at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, do you know if they wanted to put a seventh story in here, who they could have uh, transposed from 1970s Italy here? Who? Carlo Antonelli from Street Law. They could have just oh, done yeah. Street Law as number seven. It would have fit in very easily. Um. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, I mean, the Carlo Antonelli overreaction award could go to a number of different characters in this film. I'd probably give it to the, the demolition guy as being the most uh, similar to him. That yeah, I agree. And actually, I picked this movie because of Street Law. So <laughs> oh really? Yeah. You apparently picked a bunch of films because of Street Law. Well, Street Law inspired me to pick all the angry, all the movies about either killing other people or being angry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, this is a film about a lot of overreactions, and that is like Carla Antonelli uh, to a T. 
I mean, yep. he get he gets his cash stolen and it just escalates. I mean, street law could very easily fit into these. True. Although, do you think uh, his acts were justifiable? Would you be with the people uh, with the hashtag free bomb man? Or would you be with... No, the, I mean, uh, this guy, this guy is totally Carlo Antonelli. He's like blowing up stuff. He's like smashing the walls. This guy's just like Carlo Antonelli. He's calling people fascist. I mean, like, it reminded me so much of street law, to be honest, this guy. And I mean, like, yes, the bureaucracy sucks and stuff like that, but... I feel like uh, in both of their cases, the actions are not totally justified. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I can I can definitely see that. Yeah. I don't know why, but in this movie, I I, I actually <laughs> I I sympathize more with this guy than uh, Antonelli in Street Law. Really? <laughs> this guy was like, maybe maybe there's some... I got the feeling uh, in the dialogue that there was a little bit of like uh, passive aggressiveness or, or maybe just aggressiveness coming from the, um, from the tellers and the customer service reps that probably was very irritating to uh-huh. him um, that maybe doesn't fully come across in the translation. But I mean, for me, this guy was just like being like full out aggressive to, to just customer service reps mainly just doing their job. No, no, there, there, there's definitely passive aggressiveness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that, that doesn't translate on, on the text, but uh, the way they were phrasing things. Okay. Their tone. Uh-huh. Because to me, it's like all of a sudden the guy is like grabbing a, a thing and like smashing windows and stuff like that. I'm like, whoa, what happened here? Right now, yeah, that was a huge escalation. I would say that, that one probably not a... I mean, that's how he loses his job, too. Right. I mean, like, the guy should go to... Should be sent to jail for that. Like, yeah. I mean, like, not for a long time, but I mean, like... Yeah. Night. He, the police will take him to jail for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, at the end of the day, like, in that one, the justice system works well. The man should be going to jail for what he's doing. Yes. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's get to the last one. All right. Till death do us part. Yep. So this is your partner's favorite. Yep. This is my partner's favorite. Do you know why she likes it the most? I think it's just the, 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 my understanding is just more of the, like, how vengeful, but like, you know, um, non-violent but more verbal way how vengeful she gets with the Mm -hmm. husband okay like i mean in this one the scene where you know the if you i mean there's the the scene where uh the the wife you know dances with uh with the uh, lover or the yeah the lover and you know like smashes her against the the mirror and you could say that that was like the violent part. But I mean, the most violent part is when she's having sex with the other man, stops and she's like, I will have sex with a different man every night in our wedding house. And I will make you miserable every day of our life until death do us apart. 
which hopefully is when you commit suicide at the yacht that you buy me or something like that. I forget. But like, you know, like she goes, she runs down the entire, the, the entire, her entire process of how she's going to make his life miserable as a wife. And, uh, and it's very well made. It's, it's yeah. like, and, and it's, it's the first one where the person who loses it is a female character too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, well, I mean, maybe number two, uh, the, the rat one. Um, oh yeah. The... I was thinking about that too. I mean, it's certainly your most fully fleshed out female character in the whole film. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I liked it too. I liked the premise of it. Um, in that sense too, it also feels a little different to, to the other ones, partly by having that female protagonist and also the, just the mode of, of, uh, revenge and escalation is a little different than the other ones. So it keeps you a little bit offbeat, uh, because of that. So I appreciate those aspects of it as well. Yeah. Um, I do think it's a little bit long, but... What do you what do you think about the ending? I want to hear your thoughts about the uh, the very ending of that one. <laughs> I like the ending, but let me ask you this: How long do you think that marriage lasted after the ending? I don't know. It could be either very long or very short. <laughs> <laughs> My guess is under a year. Probable. That's probably, <laughs> prob probably true. So I was like, yeah, this is like, this is a, I, I like the ending. Uh, I thought it was clever. I got thought it was a good way to actually end it too. Um, just because it's uh, fairly uh, different uh, than uh, how they've ended the other ones. And it sort of gives it on a more hopeful note. But for me, I was just like, these people will be getting divorced at some point. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't see it as a fully happy ending in the way that some others might. No, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, we don't we don't know what's going to happen next. But I mean, you you don't know what's going to happen next with like any fairy tale, right? Right. True, true, true. I just feel like given what we know about these characters, I'm like I don't have much faith in in the the marriage there. Whatever it is, it's going to be a very toxic relationship. Yes, yes. I mean, that relationship seemed pretty poisoned at at points. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do enjoy how they just straight up have sex in their wedding. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, I thought that was a cool way to end. I mean... I, I I think it's uh, just a nice way to in the whole uh, the whole film in general is like just everyone just sort of like, all right, well I guess we should get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, <a> weird wedding, <laughs> and it's just kind of like the vibe of just people slowly leaving. Um, I I enjoyed that. I thought it was well filmed. Um, one thing one thing to note on that one is the DJ. Mm -hmm. That wedding. It? had the best DJ that you could ever ask for. The man was ready when she's like, I want, I want some music now. The man put some music. Then once, once, uh, the, the husband basically goes to her to right before having sex, the DJ realizes that lowers the lights, puts the music on. Now what a DJ, like 
See, that, that's a DJ like, who, who earned his paycheck. Yeah. Do you think our, our friend Chocolate Chuck would be up to DJing like that? Do you think he's, he has the, the skills to, to DJ like that? I, I think he has the chops. I don't know, but I mean, I, I'm assuming so, right? He might need yeah. some reps. Maybe by the time he's done like 30 weddings, he could, he could do it like this. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, that should be the standard for every DJ. A DJ that is ready <laughs> when there's a fight, stop the music. As soon as they're uh -huh. fucking, put the music again. Okay. So <laughs> this should be like a DJ training school film. It's like you yeah. go to trade school for the DJs. And exactly. then they show you this like 25 minute short. <laughs> it's like pay attention to the couple. Yeah. Where are they at the moment? Do you put romantic music? Do you paint dance music? Or do you shut the fuck up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but uh, I would say I, it, it's, I think I, I call it a happy ending. I mean, they're toxic, but everyone is toxic. I mean, in, in, in the society that this movie builds, the assumption as in the world, in the universe that this movie, like the, 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 all these films are in, it's a universe where everyone is just a fucking animal, in a way. Right. Mm -hmm. So you could, you could say like, sure, this is super unhealthy, but maybe, just maybe, that's how everyone is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I also think it's a happy ending. I just, you know, it's kind of like when a romantic comedy ends and it's happy and they're together, but you're just like... Oh, I don't know how compatible these people are. They seem like uh, we're getting like the nice movie ending, but I I, I give them like two mm -hmm. years. Yeah, it's like uh, so. So for me, uh, it's more I, I think they're pretty compatible. They're both pieces of shit. <laughs> it's psychopath. I think that makes you incompatible, actually. <laughs> I mean, it makes what? them similar, I guess. But yeah, I. I yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I don't, I don't quite have the same complaint about this segment as I do the others. For me, I think it just could have been tightened up a little bit, and maybe that's just also a byproduct of it coming mm -hmm. last at the end. Um, and so you're just a little more tired when you're seeing all the characters being revealed. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I would have maybe tried to chop off like five minutes or something like that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um... I must say, based on on this movie, would you watch mm. other movies from this director? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this director, I think, uh, he makes, uh, he shows a lot of style, a lot of flair, um, and I would definitely watch something else from him. Me too. Unfortunately, it looks like this has been his last movie, so... Mr. Sifron, make more movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, apparently also that last that wedding at the end was a Jewish wedding. Um, yes. And the director, I believe, is also um, at least Jewish. Part Jewish. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I thought that was interesting, too. I don't know if that's uh, very common in Argentina or something, but that I took note of that. Oh, so yeah, it, this is something uh, we talked with my partner. It's like uh, she asked that too. She's like, "Are there a lot of Jewish people in Argentina?" And my understanding is yes, yes. Argentina has, uh, I mean, outside of the United States, 
Argentina has like the highest Jewish population. I mean, outside of the United States and Israel, Argentina right. would have the highest Jewish population. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting, especially because like all the conspiracy theories saying that Hitler died there or lives there. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, <laughs> yes. The, well, maybe just a lot of people in general came from uh, Europe to South America after World War II. Exactly. <laughs> Hitler, um, Holocaust survivors, etc. Right. Holocaust causers and survivors. Well, I mean, the reason why people thought that uh, Hitler might be in Argentina was because um, the architect of the Holocaust, I'm forgetting his name right now, he was found in Argentina. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of some of the Nazi war criminals. We're getting really off the rails here. Yeah, <laughs> but my bad. I've heard of some of the Nazi war criminals getting uh, 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 being found in South America and Argentina, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of a really random thing, but interesting. Yep. Uh, no, yeah, no, I, I, I actually like that it was a Jewish wedding because then you could, uh, going back to the movie, uh, because then you could have the, that scene where the husband, you know, like they, they put him on the chair mm-hmm. right after the husband is like basically having a delirious moment, uh, questioning his life and sanity after, you know, his wife had threatened to destroy his life, you know, <laughs> and, and he's being carried on this chair throughout this entire process. Um, yeah. I mean, the director clearly knows about Jewish weddings, and uh, I thought it was a fun setting for it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have that in a in a in most non-Jewish weddings, right? Uh, yeah, or did Christian the, uh, weddings. Did the groom remind you at all of like a poor man's Bradley Cooper? A little bit, a little yeah. bit. Actually, I was thinking about that. He definitely looked like. Um, I mean, like, he looks like the type of guy who would play a good guy (laughs) in some movie. Right. Sort of a classical leading man. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, Oh, I was just saying um, that I thought the, the, uh, the bride did a good job. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, like... She definitely. I, I do enjoy how she goes from you know being your classic bride to this manic person. Yeah, she probably has to show uh, a higher range of emotions than um, most of the people. I think probably the favorite mm-hmm. actors of for me were probably her and the demolition guy. Mm. Yeah, I would say so too. Well, Demolition Guy, he was in another in another Argentina movie that uh, won an Oscar. Mm. So okay, he seems like a yeah. good actor. Um, I mean, I, of course, I'm omitting uh, definitely the number one actor, the uh, the uh, chef lady um, who should team up with Danny Trejo for a buddy cop movie. Oh my goodness, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Robert Rodriguez. I would watch that. I would watch that. Um, um, yeah, I would watch that too. Do you recognize? So, out of out of the actors, do you recognize any from any other movies you've seen? 
No, not that I can recall. Okay. Uh, because, uh, in the Pasternak one, the, uh, mm-hmm. the music critic, he mm-hmm. is the main guy from um, Talk to Her. Oh, okay. Is he Spanish or Argentine? Argentine. Okay, got it. It's been years since I've seen Talk to Her, but yeah. I mean, I did notice that Almodovar's name was a producer in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just funny how, like, he got, like, that big of an actor for probably the shortest, uh, short. (laughs) Well, it's a good way to throw off the audience, too. It's like if the actor, I mean, for me, it didn't work because I don't know the actor. But if the the audience is sort of familiar with the actor, they're like, oh, okay, maybe this guy's going to be in a few of these shorts or something like that. But nope, he's in it for, like, three minutes and then he's in a burning plane that crashes into the ground <laughs> hey you know how you were asking speaking about the plane you know how you were mentioning um uh the malaysian flight right so i little trivia here though not related to the malaysian flight this movie came out in europe right around the same time uh that a german pilot crashed an airbus in uh in the alps on purpose no okay yeah. all right so, so so apparently apparently when this movie came out like they would put uh they put uh, trigger warnings for the movie in europe because people had just that, died that makes sense that makes sense but wouldn't that also spoil the first short <laughs> uh yeah it would actually that would that would totally throw that first short off because then you're like wait okay i'm getting this trigger warning about a flight crashing they're going on an airplane what's happening here um so you're right it would totally mess with the first short <laughs> so yeah there's your little uh trivia there uh, that is somewhat connected to the uh Malaysian flight, not necessarily. Right. All right. Well, do you have any uh, any final thoughts on this movie? Uh, I do not. Yeah, I I recommend this film uh, to just about anyone. It's just a fun movie. Um, it's uh, highly entertaining. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Watch it, enjoy it. Um, don't get too triggered, I guess. And, um, yeah, don't fly a plane. Into I guess you've been warned if you listen to this. <laughs> yeah, don't don't do what any of these characters do. Honestly, it's like bad life advice in this film, but highly entertaining. Yep, highly entertaining indeed. Um, you know, if any of our listeners have any comments, please email our, your thoughts. And uh, now we have a Twitter account, so, you know, you can follow us on that. Um, we're still building that on that a little bit. But, uh, yeah. Any other thoughts, James? Uh, nope, I think that's it. And our email, for those that uh, may have missed it, is dafilmtofilm at gmail.com. Um, and Twitter is just film to film. 
Or maybe it's CA. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, goodbye. And next, uh, see you next time. Yeah, see you next time.